All right, good to see you all today. Uh, before uh, we read the scripture, I'm going to introduce uh, our guest speaker and give a little, little context. Uh, so when I was starting the journey to plant this church, I guess now around eight-ish years ago, um, uh, when I, I, we were in uh, East Asia, we moved back. And then uh, a guy named Al Phillips, who's here today, who's the leader of, he's called the Director of Mission of the Greenville Baptist Association. I don't know how you heard I was planting a church, but somehow you heard about it. And we met, and he said, would you like us to support it? And I was like, um, yes. <laughs> that sounds great. Uh, and so uh, that began a, a working relationship with the, the Greenville Baptist Association. That has been a, a, a big service and a help to getting our church started and uh, many other churches started. And so uh, when we think about making disciples and think about, think about mission, we, th we know that this is not something that we can do on our own, right? And so we have to partner together with other like-minded churches to help make disciples here and all the way to the ends of the earth. And so our partnership with the Greenville Baptist Association has helped us do that. Uh, to, to make disciples here and also to send uh, to uh, other churches in our city. Uh, we've send, sent church planners to New, New England, and we've done partnerships uh, all the way to the ends of the earth. And so I'd ask, ask him to come share because I want you guys, one, to know about that partnership, to know that we are doing mission not just here in Welcome, but we're trying to spread the gospel as far as we can because we, we believe that Jesus Christ, uh, he is the hope of the world. And we want people to experience that hope and that joy and that peace. And we can accomplish more if we partner together than if we just uh, lone ranger it. So anyway, uh, Al Phillips, he's our director of missions for the Greenville Baptist Association. He's going to be speaking today and sharing about mission and about some of the things that we have been able to, to do together uh, as churches who partner together. And so uh, we're going to read uh, God's word. I want you to hear the word of the Lord from Romans 15, verses 18 through 21. For I would not dare to say anything except what Christ has accomplished through me by word and deed, for the obedience of the Gentiles, by the power of miraculous signs and wonders, and by the power of God's Spirit. As a result, I fully proclaim the gospel of Christ from Jerusalem all the way around to Illyricum. My aim is to preach the gospel where Christ has not been named, so that I will not build on someone else's foundation. But as it is written, those who were not told about him will see, and those who have not heard will understand. This is the word of the Lord. Well, thank you, Will. It's, uh, it's a great joy for me to get to be here with you all today. I've looked forward to this for some time. Uh, I was uh, telling somebody a while ago, the, one of the last times that I was here, it's been several years, I guess, uh, when I was here before, it looked a whole lot different than this this morning. Uh, there were about uh, 12 people, mostly elderly folks, uh, kind of scattered around in the auditorium, and they had invited the Greenville Baptists of me to come and share with them about what are we going to do? 
Uh, we can't pay our bills. Uh, our pastor's gone. The church is falling apart. We don't know how we're going to, to keep the lights on in the, in the building. And so we began to meet with them and talk through with them what they could do. And, uh, and what you're experiencing this morning is a direct result of that first meeting that I had with them several years ago uh, because the Lord has worked uh, miraculously to do some incredible things. In fact, I would really like to get a picture here, if, if you all don't mind, okay? We're going to get a little selfie right here, all right? We're going to get a selfie of you. So everybody wave and smile. There we go. Yeah. Now, what you experienced here is a part of the vision and the mission of the Greenville Baptist Association. Uh, God has called us to create access to the gospel for all, starting here. That's our vision. That's the ends that we see in mind. And Christmas is a great season for us to think about that, because this is the season when God began, when He launched His missionary enterprise, when He sent the first missionary to earth. Not in a way that anybody else ever expected. Nobody expected to see the Messiah coming. Nobody expected the first missionary from God to come in the form of a little baby in a manger in a place like Bethlehem. But that's what God had in mind. And so the Lord sent that first missionary here, and it's a reminder that when he finished his ministry some 33 years later and he ascended back into heaven, he left us to finish the task that he came here to accomplish. And what is the mission that he gave us? What do we call it in Matthew 28? We call it the Great Commission. It's what we're supposed to be about. And that's what I want us to focus on this morning. Jesus said, I want you to go and preach the gospel to all nations, make disciples of all nations. And I want you to teach them all the things that I've taught you. And I want you to remember that I'm going to be with you even to the end of the age. Now, when we read that and when we think about that, when we hear somebody quote the Great Commission, we don't think about the magnitude of the challenge that Jesus put before that little band of disciples on that hillside that day, do we? I want you to think about that for just a minute. He said, I want you to go and make disciples of or among all the nations, all the people groups of the world. Who, think about who he was saying that to. A little band of a, about a hundred and some odd believers on that hillside. Now, he knew that the day was going to come when there'd be more than a billion of us scattered around the world to finish the Great Commission. But at that time, the challenge was incredible for that little group of disciples. And, and I want you to think about the magnitude of what he told us to do. And, and think about it in these terms. If you were to start at the moment of the resurrection, and if you were to win one soul to Christ every second from the moment of the resurrection until now, some 2,000 years later, we would have only won about one billion people to faith in Christ. There are eight billion people alive on the planet Earth today. If you started on the day of Pentecost, when how many people came to Christ in one day? 
3,000 came to Christ in one day at one worship service after one sermon. 3,000 committed their lives to Christ. That's a lot, isn't it? If we were to win 3,000 people every day to faith in Jesus Christ, it would take us 6,393 years just to reach the 8 billion who are alive on the earth today. And in that time, the population will quadruple. Last year overseas, Southern Baptist missionaries baptized over 400,000 people. 400,000 people. At that rate, every year, it would take us more than 13,800 years to win the 8 billion who are alive on the earth today. It, by any stretch of the imagination, is an impossible task that Jesus put before those disciples. And, and yet, Jesus did not hesitate at all. There was no trepidation in his voice whatsoever when he said, I want you to go and make disciples of all nations. He didn't hesitate at all when he said, I want you to be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in Judea and in Samaria and to the ends of the earth. But when we think about it in those terms today, when we look just at what's here in this neighborhood and the lostness that's just outside these walls and the tens of thousands of people that are moving to Greenville, South Carolina, and the state of South Carolina has become the fifth or sixth fastest growing state in the union this past year. When we look at that challenge, just what's before us, sometimes we just throw up our hands and we say, what can one do? What can just one person do? What can one church do? What can one association do? We're just a small group of people. What can just one of us do? Well, one person can change the world. The Apostle Paul was one man. Most of us are sitting here today because of his missionary work. One person can change the world. Somebody sitting in this room today could change the world, could finish the Great Commission, could preach the gospel to the last unengaged, unreached people group on earth before Jesus comes back. It could be one of you. Somebody sitting in this room today could become the next will who will go and plant a church somewhere that will reach an entire neighborhood with the gospel and create access there. Somebody in this room today could be the person who makes the impact in your high school that brings that high school revival and sees people swept into the kingdom of God and lives transformed. It could be one of you. One person can change the world. But the real question is, how? How does that happen? And that's what I want us to take a look at from this passage of Scripture here this morning. Because this is the vision and the mission that inspired and drove the Apostle Paul. And it ought to become the vision and the mission that inspires and drives us as well. Paul said, Paul said I have fully proclaimed the gospel right where I am. But it's always been my ambition to preach Christ where he was not known. 
That's what drove him. He was busy where he was, but he was constantly driven, and he was focused like a laser beam on those who had no access to the gospel. He wanted to make sure that those people at least gained that access so they could at least hear the gospel and have one chance to say yes or no to Jesus before they died. That ought to be our ambition as well. It's the basis for the vision of the Greenville Baptist Association. I wear a lot of clothes and that have this little logo on it. It says, hashtag Access Greenville. Our vision is that there will come a day when no matter where anybody moves or lives in whatever neighborhood, in whatever community in Greenville County, that there will be a gospel preaching church that is there to create access to that community, to the gospel, in a way that those folks will understand. Because as your pastor said to me one time, a gospel that's not understood is not good news. We've got to make sure that we proclaim the gospel in such a way that people will understand it. And so we see a day when that's going to happen. We see a day when because of the work that we're doing together, wherever anybody lives in Greenville County, they'll have access to the gospel. And then it becomes our ambition to make sure that there is access to the gospel, not just here where we are, but in North America and at the ends of the earth. Because isn't that where Jesus told us we're supposed to be witnesses? In Jerusalem and in Judea, we think if we just can do it here, we're doing good, but we're not done. And we can't stop, and we can't do it in that order. We've got to do simultaneously creating access to the gospel in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. Well, how do we do that? How does one person, how does one church, how does one association, how do we do that? Well, let me tell you how we've chosen to do it. We've chosen to do it with three R's. You got three P's. Preach the gospel, produce disciples, pursue justice. We got three R's. And I'm going to tell you about those in just a moment. How can you create access to the gospel? How can you make a difference? First of all, you can do it this way. By proclaiming the gospel fully right where you are. Isn't that what Paul said? He said, I have fully proclaimed the gospel from Jerusalem all the way around to Illyricum. Now where was that? Jerusalem, you know where that is. Where's Illyricum? Illyricum is kind of in the Balkans, the edge of the Balkans, north of Greece. Paul says from Jerusalem all the way around the Mediterranean, up through those islands, all across uh, Galatia, across Asia Minor, which modern-day Turkey, into Greece, and north of Greece, he says, I have fully proclaimed the gospel of Christ. So what does it mean to fully proclaim the gospel? Does that mean that everybody's heard? No, obviously not. Does it mean that everybody's made commitments to Christ and been one to Christ they're all believers? No, obviously not. What it means is that there is access to the gospel in all those places. There are gospel preaching churches that Paul and other missionaries have planted in all those towns and villages so that no matter where people lived in that entire crescent from Jerusalem all the way around to the edge of the Balkans, there was access to the gospel because there were Christians there gathered in the churches with elders who were leading them who were focused on sharing Jesus and proclaiming the gospel where they were. That's what it means to fully proclaim the gospel right where you are. How are you doing with that? 
Well, I'm going to tell you, for the Greenville Baptist Association, we're working hard at it. There, there are three things that we're doing to fully proclaim the gospel right where we are here in Greenville. There's 108 of churches in our association. We take in basically the southern half of Greenville County. And we work hard to create access to the gospel, first of all, by reaching the unreached. We focused on evangelism, on sharing the gospel. We do all kinds of creative things. We do training. We do all kinds of equipping for our churches and for believers to help them more effectively preach the gospel right there in their communities. We started something a couple of years ago that you may have heard of called the HUB. HUB stands for Help, Unify, Bless. Uh, about five years or so ago, uh, I had this, this, this vision for, for pulling together pastors in our city just to pray together once a month. So we've been praying for, for years over our city, Jeremiah 29. And God led us as a group to start something called the Hub. And our idea is that we would take all the local schools, there are 86 public schools in Greenville County. Our vision is to see work being done, the gospel being proclaimed, people being sharing the gospel in all 86 of those public schools within a couple of years. And so what we've done is we take the local high school and the middle school and the elementary schools that feed into that high school and we group them together in a local geographic cluster we call a hub. And then we go find all the local churches, the evangelical churches in that area, and bring them together to pool their resources, their energy, and their effort to begin to reach those schools, to start good news clubs in the elementary schools, to do fellowship of Christian athletes huddles in the middle schools and the high schools, to do release time Bible studies in the middle schools and in the high schools, to do whatever services those schools ask us to do. One church could not possibly do all that by itself. But if you take four churches, five churches, in some cases we've got 15 or 20 churches that have clustered together to accomplish that, now you can minister to all those schools. We've got a hub right here in the Welcome Community. Tom Dudley is the hub team leader. Uh, he pulls together resources from several other churches to serve Carolina High School, Welcome Elementary School, Tanglewood Middle School. Uh, and we work with our partners, Fellowship of Christian Athletes, uh, Christian Learning Centers of Greenville Release Time Program, and uh, the Child Evangelism Fellowship. We pull all those folks together so that once a month we sit together and we strategize about how we can more effectively create access to the gospel in all the public schools in our county. That's just one way that we can all work together to create access to the gospel in our communities, reaching the unreached. Second way that we do that is by, by revitalizing existing churches. There are a lot of those 108 Southern Baptist churches that are struggling. They're plateaued, they're stuck, they're declining. Some of them, like this church was, uh, Oak Crest was a few years ago, they're, they're dying they're literally dying. They can't keep their doors open. There's only a handful of people left. And so we started a center for church revitalization. And we go to those churches and we offer help. We help them with, with assessments. We help them with partnerships. We help them find uh, assistance to, to reconnect with their community and plan how they're going to start creating access to the gospel in that neighborhood. And we've been able to do that over and over again. As I was telling you several years ago, this church that was meeting here before you, Oak Crest, called me and said, we're down to about our last 12 people. 
can you come and help us? Our team came in, did an assessment with them, and realized there's no way those eight people could reach this neighborhood by themselves. And so we recommended to them that they merge, be absorbed by Reconcile Community Church. Uh, they met with Will. Will came here. Two of us stood here on the stage, and we preached and talked to the, that group of people. We had lunch with them one day and answered all their questions, walked through a long process with them, and they ended up merging with Reconciled Church. And look what the Lord's done with that today. Where there was a building with a group of people who drove in on Sunday and who had virtually no connection with the community, now there is a gospel-preaching church. And there is access to the gospel right here in this neighborhood in a way that did not exist before. That's a part of what an association can do. When we work together, we revitalize existing churches. And the third thing that we do is we reproduce new churches. You see, we believe that even in a city like Greenville where there are hundreds of churches, if all those people wanted to come to church on a Sunday that live here, they wouldn't have enough places to park, enough pews to sit on. And so we need new churches constantly. So our vision, our mission is to start new churches, to reproduce new churches. we got a strategy. Hanging on the wall in my office is a map of Greenville County with little green arrows in the places where we want the church churches to be planted to help us create access to the gospel. Some seven or eight years ago, uh, Reconcile Church was one of those green arrows. Uh, and God led us together, and we partnered together uh, in what you folks have now got going here at Reconcile. It was a part of the vision of the Greenville Baptist Association, a part of the vision that Will had eight years ago that God called him here and put us together and we partnered together to see this happen. We have planted 12 churches here in Greenville as an association. 12 churches just here in Greenville County in the last seven years. And we planted two new churches in New England. One uh, in Boston, uh, and I think there's a picture of, um, of uh, J.D. Mangrum up on that, that you might be able to see there. I don't know if you guys have got that or not, but J.D. Mangrum was one of our pastors. He and his wife, Natalie, uh, pastored uh, uh, Origins Church, planted Origins Church here in our city. Uh, on our first vision trip to Boston with a group of our pastors, God called J.D. to leave Greenville and move to, to uh, Charlestown, uh, Massachusetts to plant Christ Church Charlestown. And they took just recently uh, one of the old buildings that dates back to the, to the Revolutionary War. Uh, and now they have a building right in the center of that town, just like you. They're creating access to the gospel right there. You're a part of that church plant. You are a part of that. We're still supporting. We still send teams up there to minister and serve alongside J.D. and Natalie. We started a church with a, a Hispanic pastor named Hendra Padron uh, in the, the, the town of Olneyville, just outside Providence, Rhode Island. Uh, he's reaching Hispanic people there. We send teams up there. Uh, they are firmly established now. Uh, and, and we are planting in 2024 two new churches in Massachusetts. One of those churches is going to be kind of a granddaughter church. Uh, about <coughs> 10 years ago, <coughs> when I was at my previous church in Spartanburg, I had the idea, 
let's pull together several of the larger churches and let's go plant a church together somewhere in America. Uh, and so First Taylor's and Brushy Creek and Rocky Creek and First Spartanburg and First North Spartanburg, we all came together and we helped plant a church in Dedham, Massachusetts. That church is blossomed and thriving now. They're sending out a church planter next year to plant a church in an, in an adjacent town. And we're going to partner as an association with them to help plant that church. So we reproduced new churches. You're a part of all that, reaching, revitalizing, reproducing. You are a part of that when you're with the Greenville Baptist Association. You're partnering together with us. You support us financially. You work together with us in all the things that we do. We take 100 churches and we are a resource multiplier so that one church that can do this much and you put it together with 100 churches, now we can do that much in creating access to the gospel. That's what we're about. We're about fully proclaiming the gospel right where we are. Now let me ask you this. How are you doing with that? Personally, you. How's your family doing with that? Because it's got to get back down to that, doesn't it? It's got to get back down to what am I going to do with that? How are you fully proclaiming the gospel right where you are? Because nobody else can go where you are. Nobody else can fully proclaim the gospel in your family. Nobody else can fully proclaim the gospel in your subdivision, in your neighborhood, in your community. Nobody else can get into your schools, can go to your place of business and fully proclaim the gospel. You have to do that where you are personally. It's a part of our personal responsibility. How are you doing with that? I'll tell you, a few years ago, I was at a Thanksgiving dinner with my family, uh, my extended family, and there were 40 or 50 of us there and I was looking around and God just convicted me because there in my family I had aunts and uncles they've all gone to heaven now uh, but in the aunts and uncles and cousins uh, that were there in that that family gathering and God convicted me I didn't know whether or not all those people were lost or saved I'd never heard their story I'd never asked them I'd never heard them tell me about a relationship with Jesus. I saw some evidence here and there, but I didn't know for sure their story. God convicted me of that. So I got intentional about my own family, and over the course of the next several years, I heard their stories about how they got saved in a revival, and how they got baptized in a creek, and, and how they had, had uh, served the Lord as deacons or as treasurer of their church or singing in the choir about how they had served the Lord through the years. I got intentional about that and got to share the gospel with some that I would not have known to share the gospel with. I got intentional about my own immediate family. And on my iPad right here, I now have the written personal testimonies of all my brothers and my sisters and my brother-in-law and sister-in-law, of all my own children and my daughters-in-law and my grandchildren, of six of my nine grandchildren. I've got their written testimonies on my iPad because I was intentional about my family. We've got to be intentional about our own families. How are you doing? That's a part of fully proclaiming the gospel right where you are.
So we fully proclaim the gospel right where we are. That's how we create access to the gospel for all. We start right where we are and do what we can where we are. But that's not enough. If that's enough for you, then you're not following the Lord completely because the Lord has more. The Lord always has more. And the rest of what Paul says there in that passage means that we have to do more than just where we are. Paul said, it has always been my ambition to preach Christ where he was not known so that I would not be building on anyone else's foundation. That sounds like a little bit like pride, doesn't it? But it's not. That's strategy. That's strategy. Paul didn't want to waste his time going to places where they already had access to the gospel. He said to them a little later on in that passage, he said, I'm coming to visit you, but I'm not coming to visit you because I want to see you. I'm coming to visit you because I'm on my way to Spain to preach the gospel. I'm not going to stay in Rome. You already have churches here. I'm going where they don't have access to the gospel. He was focused like a laser beam on places that had no access to the gospel. So we proclaim the gospel fully where we are, but we need to be about preaching Christ intentionally where he is not known. That's a part of what we can do is making sure that we get to the gospel to the places and the people who need to hear the gospel, who don't have access to the gospel. That's what we're about with GBA. We go to New England, which is one of the darkest corners of our country. Do you know that there are some places in Egypt that have more believers than some cities in New England in our own country? Uh, there, are, there are a lot of lost people who have no access to the gospel in the Northeast. And that's where our partnership is for, re, for, for, for uh, creating access to the gospel here in the United States. And then we go to the ends of the earth. We uh, believe that we need to go where the most unreached people are. We don't want to go to a place where if you kick over a rock, there's two missionaries under it. We don't want to go to a place and put our resources into a place where you can't get an airline ticket in the summer because of all the mission teams that are going to that place. There are places like that in Central America and in the Caribbean and, and some African countries and some other places where they have access to the gospel where it's largely evangelized. There are places like Southeast Asia, which is where we have chosen to partner in APAC, the Asia-Pacific Rim, uh, part of our work with, uh, with the ends of the earth. There are places there where there are whole people groups who have never heard the name of Jesus spoken by human lips before. Can, can you imagine? Can you imagine that? Can you wrap your arms around that? It's Christmas. We hear about the little baby Jesus all the time. We do Advent candles and wreaths and all that kind of stuff. There are churches named after Christ, Christ the Redeemer, Christ Fellowship. They're, they're, the name of Jesus is everywhere, sometimes in, in awful ways using it as a curse word. We hear the name of Jesus from human lips all the time where we are. Imagine a place where you could start in one end of the city and walk across to the other end and there are thousands and thousands of people and none of them 
if you were to say the name Jesus, it would be the first time they ever heard that name pronounced by human lips before. That's our challenge. And so for an association like us, we're on purpose going to the ends of the earth to a place like that where we can create access to the gospel for the first time. Next year we'll send teams. We've got a team that's going to a place in Southeast Asia. Are we, is this being, okay, so I can't say where it is, but it's in a, in a restricted country. They're going to go, they're just going to go hiking. They're going to go hiking in the mountains. And everywhere they go, they'll be in villages and places among people who have no access to the gospel. We're going to send teams to this place, uh, to another place next year, uh, that will go and train 30 or 40 pastors who are reaching those unreached people groups in that area. We're trying to intentionally get the gospel to the places where the gospel has never been preached before. That's what we're about. So in order to do that, here's what we have to do. What do you have to do in order to create access to the gospel for all? What do you have to do? First of all, we must be purposeful. We've got to be focused like a laser beam on those who have no access to the gospel. We've got to be purposeful with what we do with our limited resources. That's why being a part of an association like ours is so helpful. We multiply your resources and get them focused all in one place. What if a hundred churches come together to focus on creating access to the gospel in one place? Isn't that better than one church scattering resources all over the place? We work together, and you can do exactly the same thing. You have to be purposeful through this Christmas season. What if you were purposeful, on purpose? You looked around at your life. Look around at the people in the daily traffic pattern of your life. How many of them do you know their story? In your family, the folks you work with, the kids you go to school with, the people who live just up the street from you in your neighborhood. How many of them do you know their story? Do you know if they're lost or saved? We've got to get to the point where we on purpose are trying to figure out and hear whether or not people are lost or saved. We've got to be purposeful. And second, we have to be passionate. We've got to be passionate about what we do. We ought to get more excited about the Great Commission than we are about whether or not Florida State got into the, the playoffs. Uh, we ought to be more passionate about the gospel than we are about whether or not Clemson beat South Carolina. Uh, I mean, that's getting to be kind of old anyway. So, uh, I mean, Clemson beating South Carolina. Or I may have stepped in something there I didn't want to step in. But, you know, being a Clemson guy, you know, we must be passionate. We got to be passionate about the gospel. And then we have to reorder our priorities. If you get serious about creating access to the gospel, that means it may change everything in your life. What if, listen to me, listen, I'm done. What if you reordered your entire life? Listen, what if you reordered your entire life to make the mission of Christ your priority? What would that look like? What would have to change? For the mission of Christ to be your priority. Three things would have to change. It would impact our time. It would impact our talents. 
and it would impact our treasure. It impact our time. You'd have to pray more. It might mean getting up a little earlier. It might, be, might mean turning off some things in your life so you can spend more time on your face before God praying for lost people, praying for access to the gospel, praying for people like these missionaries that you saw on this video a while ago. It might mean more time going. It might mean that you will want to join Tom Dudley in the hub here in Welcome. There's a place for you in that hub. There's a place in a good news club at, at Welcome Elementary School that needs to be filled. There are work to be done in that FCA huddle over at Tanglewood Middle School. There are folks who are needed to come alongside Christian Learning Centers of Greenville and provide Bible study for high school students at Carolina High School. There are folks at Carolina High School, teachers and workers who need to be fed and loved on and cared for. And I can tell you right now, because I talk to Tom Dudley every month, he doesn't have enough people. He didn't have enough resources. He needs you. And some of you have time that you could give to the hub. You've got time that you could give to reaching the public schools right here in your community with a church that's committed to that and that is focused on creating access to the gospel among the community that's in those local schools. You could be a part of that. You give yourself something this church is doing here in this community. You could be a part of one of the mission projects that we're doing in New England or that we're doing in Southeast Asia next year. You could be a part of that. You're part of our association. Give your time. What if you took one week less of vacation and devoted that one week to a mission project somewhere instead? What if, what if God's calling some of you Someone in this room, what if he's calling you to give your whole life, every minute of the rest of your life, to the mission of God? Your time, your talent. Some of you got abilities, talent, uh, athletic skills. Some of you've got sewing skills. Some of you can cook. Some of you can, can do electrical work. Some of you can do carpentry. Some of you can do computer programming. There are things that every one of you have that are talents that God's given you. Find a way to use those talents in the mission of God. Be missional. Think about your neighborhood. Is there a way that you can serve in your neighborhood with your talents and your abilities and the relationships that God's given you? Leverage those things for the sake of the gospel. And finally, your treasure. Can you, can you give a little more? Give a little more. I ran into a guy on the streets of Boston at one of our mission projects a few years ago, and we stuck up a conversation. He was a believer, and he was connected to one of the local churches there. And, and he was telling me, you know, I just have such a burden for people hearing the gospel. I, my wife and I are working our way toward this become our goal. We're working our way toward living off 10% of our income and giving 90% to the mission of God. What if we were all that intentional? about our income, about our giving. We all tend to think, man, I'm tapped out. Tapped out. When you're about the mission of God, whatever you give always comes back. When you're giving to the mission of God, God always provides so that you can give more. You want to find the surest way to test God and find out? Give something you think you can't afford to give this Christmas to your church. The missions. 
Give more than you think you can afford. You see what God does. Prove what He will do. He'll give it back so that you can continue to support the cause of Christ. We've got to reorder our priorities. If we're going to finish the Great Commission in some of your generation, it might not be in my generation, I hope so, but in some of your generation we could, we could finish. Do you understand? Do you understand what I'm saying? We could finish the Great Commission. What does that mean? It means that every unreached people group, every nation, every tribe, every tongue on the face of the earth will at least have heard the gospel once will at least have heard the gospel and had an opportunity to accept or reject Christ once. That's what it means. We could finish the Great Commission in our lifetime, the lifetime of those people sitting here. You might be the person God calls who preaches the gospel to the last unreached people group on earth that's never heard. And do you know what's going to happen when that takes place? Matthew Chapter 24, verse 14, Jesus said, And this gospel will be preached in the whole world as a testimony to all nations, ethnos, all people groups, to all nations, and then the end will come. Now listen, I'm going to tell you something. If that doesn't make the hair stand up on the back of your neck, then you can't get excited about anything. Because Jesus just got through saying that we can speed the return of Christ by proclaiming the gospel wherever we go, by fully proclaiming the gospel where we are, and by making it our ambition to preach Christ where He is not known. And by doing that, you bring about that moment in time when the last person hears and the Father steps out from the ramparts of glory and looks down on this earth that's ruined and wrecked by sin. And he says, Son, the time has come. Go get your church. And Jesus returns in glory and takes his people to be with him and establishes his kingdom and rules and reigns. And we get to rule and reign with him. And we get to do that sooner rather than later. Why? Because we were serious about creating access to the gospel. Are you, listen, are you serious? Are you really serious about finishing the Great Commission? Are you really serious about preaching the gospel and producing disciples and pursuing justice? Are you really serious about reaching the unreached, about revitalizing churches and reproducing new churches? Are you serious about creating access to the gospel for all, starting here, but not stopping until we finish what God put before us to do? Some of you are serious. Some of you are surprised by what God has said to you this morning. Some of you didn't expect to come to this service before Christmas and for the Holy Spirit to say to you, I'm calling you. Some of you are surprised by that this morning. Some of you aren't surprised because the Lord's been wrestling with some of you for a while 
about what you're going to do next, about planning a church, about going as a missionary, about serving with the hub, about doing something here in this community. God's been calling some of you for a while, and some of you have been wrestling with that, some of you have been holding back. God's put his finger on your heart today, and he showed you very clear that you're supposed to be a part of finishing the Great Commission. Now, you walk away from that this morning, and you're disobeying God, and there will be no peace on earth for you during this Christmas season. If you want the peace of God, then be in the center of God's will and his call that's on your life. I'm going to pray. This is our closing prayer. I'm turning it over to Will from this moment. I'm going to pray for us. If God's spoken to some of you about something you need to do, you know who your elders are. You know who your leaders are. You go to them when we finish today, and you step up to them. You take them by the hand, and you say, God's called me. I'm not sure what it means. Maybe you are. But for some of you, you're not sure what it means. You step up and you tell somebody today. Don't you walk out that door because here's what will happen. Your enemy will snatch that from you. He will deceive you. He will distract you. He will disillusion you. He will lead you down another path to something else that you may think at the moment's better, but it won't be better than what God's got for you. Don't you walk out unless you tell some of your elders what the Holy Spirit has said to you, what God wants you to do. And they'll help you figure out what it looks like. Let's pray together right now. And then Will's going to come and we'll, we'll finish up here. Father, I just want to lift up this church to you. I'm thankful for the way they create access to the gospel here in this community and beyond. It's so exciting to see a church that's focused on preaching the gospel and producing disciples, pursuing justice. It's exciting to see them focused on creating access to the gospel here in this neighborhood. Lord, I'm thankful for this church and for our partnership together and pray that you'll bless it, you'll bless their leaders, anoint them with the Holy Spirit, pour your power out upon them. Lord, use them in this neighborhood to point people to Jesus. I pray this will be a shining lighthouse uh, that will, will cast out all the darkness of this community and that souls will be saved. This whole community could be transformed by the power of the gospel of Jesus Christ, for it is the power of God for salvation, for all who believe, the Jew first and also to the Greek. Lord, I pray that you will take the ones that you put your hand on and called out today and that you will use them to preach Christ where he is not known. There are people at the ends of the earth who are waiting to hear the gospel. Don't let them slip into eternity without hearing the gospel one time. And Lord, there's some people in this room today that you might have your hand upon, that you're calling to go out to finish that great commission, to preach the gospel to those folks who've never heard. Lord, I pray they'll be obedient to you that they'll step out in faith and trust you and be obedient to the call that you're putting on their lives. And Lord, I pray that I'll live long enough to see you do something incredible as a result of the people you call out from this place today. So Lord, move here in our midst today. Let us be obedient to your Spirit for the sake of your glory, for the sake of of your precious and holy name. We pray all these things.